Hello, brethren. Brother Bob here again. In this podcast, I'm going to show you the biblical truth about why Good Friday is not biblical. And by doing that, I will be exposing the obvious lack of spiritual discernment in most believers, which is a consequence of a lack of desire to study the scriptures. Now, praise God, there are quite a few believers out there in Christendom who have the deception of Good Friday figured out. However, most do not. Again, I blame this misunderstanding on the truth of Good Friday and the lack of God's people to really know how to put together the truths of scriptures based on the whole counsel of God's word. Brethren, if you're going to be a good student of God's word, you have to you have to take in the whole counsel of God's word. You just can't pull a few Bible verses out from one specific spot and come with the biblical up with the biblical truth. That's what the signs and wonders seekers do by using the first few verses in Acts chapter 2 as their main go-to verses. Now, here's another example of what I mean. I hear people teaching that Lot must have been an immoral man. Because after all, if you read the story we read in Genesis chapter 19, it does seem true that Lot did offer up his daughters to a bunch of sexual perverts. And if that was all you read about Lot in the Bible, it would seem that Lot was acting very immoral. And yet, 2 Peter chapter 2, verses 7-8 through 8 tells us that Lot was a righteous man. See, God was looking at his heart wasn't just looking at his actions. So brethren, before you stick your spiritual foot in your mouth, as Peter often did, make sure that you take in the whole counsel of God's word before you come to a conclusion on what you believe biblical truth is. And what I'm going to share today is biblical truth. So don't call yourself a Bible believer if you're not willing to believe what the Bible says. There are a lot of Bible skimmers out there in Christendom who simply do not know what God's word teaches. I can't tell you how many times I've read biblical postings on social sites like Facebook, which I don't do very much anymore. In fact, the lack of spiritual discernment that I used to read on Facebook site is one of the reasons I got off of it. Now, my company that manages and sends out my podcast to various sites throughout America automatically sends my podcast to Facebook because sometimes I get responses back that I need to respond to. So occasionally when I'm on the Facebook page, uh, I might read something that somebody posts, posts it and I'll respond to it. Now, I will only do that once or twice a month at the most because most of the biblical stuff that is going on on Facebook proves my point that most believers just do not know the scriptures very well. The Christian who only has superficial knowledge about the truths of God's word comes across as being a wise Bible man when he is speaking to people who do not know the scriptures at all. However, That same wise Bible man sounds like a spiritual buffoon when he shares his superficial Bible wisdom in front of a bunch of believers who know their scriptures pretty well. Anyways, enough said about that. Now, if you pay attention to how I put together the biblical truths of the scriptures to come up with a clear understanding on the timetable of the day Christ died and the day Christ resurrected, I believe that you too will see why there is nothing biblically righteous about celebrating the Catholic religious day called Good Friday. With that said, I'm sure that many of you are probably already saying to yourself, Brother Bob, what's the big deal about what day Christ died or what day he was resurrected? This is the type of thinking that Bible believers who believe in evolution have. When they say, yeah, we know that the Bible says that in the beginning God created in six days, but that does not really mean God did it in six days. Yes, there are many born-again believers out there who say this. Now, that question, Brother Bob, what's the big deal about what day Christ died or on what day was he resurrected, would be a good question coming from people who do not believe that the Bible 
is the Word of God. However, that would be a dumb question for people who profess to be Bible believers. Sadly, there are a lot of Bible believers who just don't know the Scriptures anymore or any better than lost people. Now, just for the record, the main reason that it matters what day Christ died on or what day he was resurrected on is that if Christ did not die on a Wednesday and resurrect on a Saturday and instead died on a Friday and rose on a Sunday, then Christ lied to us. And if Christ lied to us in this scenario, where else did he lie to us in the Scriptures? Now, I say this sarcastically because I know that Christ did not lie to us in the Scriptures. And I know that not only because I know that God cannot lie, but because I know my Scriptures and clearly see that the Bible shows that Christ died on a Wednesday and resurrected on a Saturday. Christ himself said in Matthew 12, 38 through 40, Then some of the scribes and Pharisees said to him, Teacher, we want to see a sign from you. But he answers and said to them, An evil and adulterous generation craves for a sign. And yet no sign will be given to it but the sign of Jonah the prophet. For just as Jonah was three days and three nights in the belly of the sea monster, so will the Son of Man be three days and three nights in the heart of the earth. So let me set the record straight. Christ meant the center of the earth when he said the heart of the earth. When Christ said he will be three days in the heart of the earth, that was not a metaphor for a burial tomb on the surface of the planet. Matthew 12, 40 says, in the heart or the center of the earth. Now, I have to mention this because those biblically ignorant Bible people who do not believe that Christ was literally in the center of the earth keep rearing their ugly heads up in order to teach stuff that is just not biblically true. Yes, there are professing born-again believers who proudly teach that Christ was metaphorically speaking, i.e. lying, about literally being in the center of the earth for three days and three nights. Are you still with me? And do you still agree that Christ or God cannot lie? Now, another reason why it is absolutely essential, i.e. important, to know exactly what day Christ died on is to verify that God's word is inspired. Only God could miraculously pull off all the events and scenarios necessary to accomplish what Christ said was going to happen during his death and resurrection. So if Christ says that he's going to be in the center of the earth for three days and three nights, he does not mean part of three days and part of three nights. It is simply moronic to think that Christ only spent a few hours a day in the center of the earth. That is not what he said. Christ just could have easily have said, Hey, I'll be popping in and out of the center of the earth throughout the day, so keep an eye out for me. Christ said, Just as Jonah was in the belly of the whale for three days and three nights, so will I be in the center of the earth. Christ is using Jonah's 24-hour, three-day, and three-night experience to explain what he is about to go through himself. Brethren, Jonah did not stay in the belly of the whale only part-time. He was in the whale 24-7 for three days. Jonah didn't spend just four or six hours in the belly of the whale each night and then pop out in the morning to go shopping or to get something to eat and then get back in the whale's mouth each evening. Again, I mention this because you're going to hear some biblically ignorant and intellectually dumb people tell you that Christ was not speaking about three whole days and three whole nights when he said that he was going to be in the earth for three days and three nights. Isn't that amazing? Even though Christ said it, they said he didn't really say that. Now, I specifically went through the verses in Matthew 12, 38 through 39 for all you signs and wonder seekers. I wanted you to hear what Christ himself said about people who seek after signs. He said it's an evil and adulterous generation who craves for a sign. If you have issues with these verses, take it up with God. So Christ goes on to say, Yet no sign will be given to it but the sign of Jonah the prophet. Huh? Jonah and a whale? 
Christ? What kind of sign is that? Now, two things are happening with Christ's words. He's verifying what happened to Jonah was real. And I believe that Christ is telling us that what the Lord did to Jonah was for, for prophetic reasons. Jonah was a type of Christ. Again, Christ said, So will the Son of Man be three days and three nights in the heart of the earth. So here's where I test your ability to spiritually discern the truths of scriptures as you expose the lie of Good Friday. Christ says that he's going to be in the center of the earth for three days and three nights. It doesn't get much clearer than that. That would mean that Christ was in the center of the earth for three consecutive 12-hour days and 12-hour nights, which equals three full 24-hour days, which equals 72 hours. Are you with me yet? And do you still agree that God cannot lie? Now let me set something straight again. Here's a refresher course for you. I already shared that Christ would spend three full days and three full nights in the heart of the earth. Now the church says that Christ died on a Friday and rose on a Sunday. So what do you see that is wrong with the idea of a Good Friday death until a Sunday morning resurrection timetable time table with what Christ said? I'm going to give you 30 seconds to calculate the issue with this scenario I just gave you. Maybe I'll toss in a little hint here. How is it possible to get three full days and three full nights from Friday afternoon until Sunday morning? Here's another hint. According to Christ, there has to be roughly 72 hours between Christ's death and his resurrection. Time's up. So again, how is it possible to get three full days and three full nights from a Friday afternoon death until a Sunday morning resurrection? The answer to my question is you don't. How could you possibly get 72 hours of time from a Friday afternoon to a Sunday morning? Remember, Christ died in the afternoon of day one. So that means if Christ died on a Friday afternoon and was dead in the center of the earth for three full days, he would have been dead from 3 p.m. Friday until 3 p.m. Monday. So let me go through this really slow. Now remember, we need to come up with Christ being dead in the center of the earth for 72 hours. So from Friday 3 p.m. until Saturday 3 p.m. is 24 hours. And from Saturday 3 p.m. until Sunday 3 p.m. is another 24 hours. And from Sunday 3 p.m. until Monday 3 p.m. is another 24 hours. And there's your 72 hours. Ah, guess what? It doesn't add up for the Friday to Sunday morning resurrection thing, does it? Now, I'm not going to go into all the details of what I'm going to say next. But if you do your biblical research, you would find out that Christ actually died on a Wednesday afternoon, which was a midweek Sabbath day for the Jews and resurrected at the end of the Jewish day, Saturday, which would have been early Sunday morning, our time. Our time is not Jewish time. I'll explain that shortly. Before the start of the new day of Saturday, which in the Jewish time starts at 6 a.m. Wow, I hope you got all of that. Here's a side note. Here's an important tidbit which helps you to solve the biblical riddle. A Jewish day started at 6 a.m. and not at midnight like it would in our culture. This is critical information when trying to determine exactly what time Christ died and resurrected. Few Christians know that the Jewish Passover is currently a seven-day period in Israel and eight days for the Jews who live outside of Israel. At the time of Christ, the Jews had two names for the same festival. It was called the Feast of the Passover 
and the Feast of the Unleavened Bread. The first month in the Jewish calendar is called Nisan, also spelled Nisan, and occurs through the months of March, April in the Roman calendar. Nisan is the month in which the Passover is observed. The 13th Tuesday of Nisan is called the preparation day for the Passover. That means it's a day before the Passover. The Passover meal is eaten after 6 p.m., which means that it is really eaten on the 14th day of Nisan, which would have been a Wednesday. From the New Testament, we know that Yeshua and his disciples ate the Passover meal on a Tuesday night in our time. That's in Matthew 26, 17 and Luke 22, 13. The 14th day, which was a Wednesday of Nisan, was called the first day of the Passover, and people still worked on that day. So Wednesday was the day that Christ was brought to Pilate at 6 a.m., Matthew 27, verses 1 through 2, and was crucified on the 6th hour, which was 12 p.m. on a Wednesday. Are you still with me? So Christ was dead and in the grave at the beginning of the 15th day, which would have been a Thursday. Now I know these facts shoot the whole Good Friday thing right out the window, but you got to go with the truth, with going on your feelings. So using the timetable that Christ himself provided of three full days and three full nights, Thursday night was the first complete day, Friday night was the second complete day, and Saturday night was the third complete day. So again, it's important to understand that the Jewish time frame is different than ours. For us, Sunday morning would have started at 12.01 a.m., but for the Jews, Saturday went until 6 a.m. Saturday night. So that means 6 a.m. would have been 6.01 a.m. would have been the start of Sunday for the Jews. So when Mary got to the tomb, it would have been after 6 a.m. that Sunday morning because they were not allowed to go to the tomb on a Sabbath, which was a Saturday also. That's because there was a dead body in there. You can't touch the dead body on a Sabbath. So Mary had to wait until after 6 a.m. Sunday morning Jewish time to go back and finish doing whatever she thought she had to do with the dead body of Christ. Now please understand, when Mary got to the tomb, Jewish time, 6.01 a.m. Sunday morning, Christ was already gone. So that means Christ had got up out of that tomb at 3 a.m., which would have been in Jewish time, would have been still Saturday morning. Remember, Jewish, the Jewish Sunday didn't start until 6 a.m. So Christ was out of that grave at 3 a.m., which is 72 hours after he died. Praise God. God's word is good. So just like the Bible says, Christ was crucified and buried on a Wednesday, and he was resurrected early Jewish time, Saturday morning at 3 o'clock, 72 hours later. I would encourage you, I know a lot of what I shared probably went over your head, I would encourage you to get a, a piece of blank paper and draw six clocks on it and put the uh, the hour times on them, you know, the 12, 6, 3, and 9. And in your mind, remember now, Jewish time starts at 6 a.m., not 12 midnight. So, And then put down, start, and draw some circles, arrows, whatever you need to do. Uh, to go from 3 p.m. Friday and then keep going around and see where you end up on different clocks, however you want to do it, to what 72 hours is from 3 p.m. Wednesday. So again, just take this clock and start at 3 p.m. Friday afternoon and go until 3 a.m. Saturday morning. Now remember, 
3 a.m. Saturday morning is Jewish time. Remember, there's days it starts at 6 o'clock. So you're going to, at 3 a.m., you're going to be at Saturday morning, three hours before the Jewish day starts at 6 a.m. You have to be able to figure that out. If you can do that, you'll know how many hours Christ was in the grave. Now, I'm not going to really get into it right now, but it's important also to understand that when Christ was in the center of the earth, he wasn't down there on the beach, uh, you know, checking out the waves. Uh, the Bible clearly implies that he was in hell paying for our sins. Part of our payment for our sins, yeah, he hung on the cross, he suffered and died and shed his blood, but there was also a hell debt that we owed God for our sins, and that's what Christ was paying for. For three days, three nights, he was down there suffering, paying for our sins. Now, I know a lot of Christians don't believe that Christ was in hell, but that's too bad because they're just ignorant people. The scriptures are pretty clear. Uh, they pretty clearly imply uh, that our Lord and Savior suffered in hell when he spent those three days in the center of the earth. Now, if you have some more pieces of paper and write some blank clocks on them, try to figure out how you're going to get 72 hours from Friday, good Friday afternoon until Sunday morning. It's not going to work. It's impossible to come up with three full days and three nights. So that's why a lot of religions teach the teaching what the Bible says because it doesn't line up with their man-made religious holidays, so they change what the Bible says. Again, if we're Bible believers, we need to believe what the Bible says and not what men are teaching us. Now, the Lord knows my heart when I tell you that I learned these biblical truths by studying the Scriptures. Was the Holy Spirit guiding me to these truths? Maybe, but I'm not sure. I personally believe that because my heart's desire is to know the truths of of the scriptures, in many areas I've learned new things over the years. I believe that it's quite possible that it was my heavenly Father himself who directed my path. Here's a little side note. So here's my question to all you mature believers who believe that the Holy Spirit is the one who is guiding and leading you. Why didn't you see what I see about the lies of Good Friday, or the truth of our Savior's real name, or the lies of Christmas and Easter, or the sin of being bound together with unbelievers, or how about the truth about what's really going on in Acts chapter 2. Brethren, if you have been wrong about just one truth that I have shared in these podcasts, how many other beliefs are you wrong about? Now, I'm not sharing this info to lambast all of God's people. I know that many of you are not being taught the importance of knowing and then obeying the truths of God's word as they pertain to the church age. However, if your church leaders were teaching you the truths of God's word, instead of going along in the worldly direction that most of today's churches are going, you would be going against the religious ways of the world instead of embracing them. Brethren, I promise you that the judgment seat of Christ will not go well for those children of God who refuse to get serious about learning and then obeying the truths of God's written word. Mark chapter 7, verses 5 through 9. So the Pharisees and the teachers of the religious law asked Christ, Why don't your disciples follow our age-old traditions? They eat without first performing the hand-washing ceremony. Christ replied, You hypocrites! Isaiah was right when he prophesied about you, for he said, These people honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. They worship The way they worship is a farce, for they teach man-made ideas as commandments from the Lord. For you ignore God's law and substitute your own tradition. Then Christ said, You skillfully sidestep God's law in order to hold on to your own traditions. Brethren, it's not okay to couple the ways and the teachings of the world, no matter how nice they may sound into the holy and righteous ways of the Lord. Ephesians 5, verses 6 through 14, Don't be fooled by those who try to excuse these sins, for the anger of God will fall on all those who disobey him. Don't participate in the things these people do, 
For you once were full of darkness, now you have the light from the Lord. So live like people of the light. For this light within you produces only what is good and what is right and what is true. Carefully determine what pleases the Lord. Take no part in the worthless deeds of evil and darkness and said, expose them. It is shameful to even talk about the things that ungodly people do in secret. But their evil intentions will be exposed when the light shines on them. For the light makes everything visible. This is why it says, Awake, O sleeper, rise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. Brethren, these verses, like 99% of the church epistles, are written to and for born-again believers. Dear brothers and sisters in Christ, there's a reason why the Lord warned believers to work out their salvation with fear and trembling. True Christianity is not a game where you pick to do what you like in God's word and ignore the things you don't like or agree with. True Christianity is not something that we can be involved using our own rules, ideas, teachings, and methods. Brethren, God's word is holy. And every time we couple the religious ways of the world with his word, we make his word unholy. Isaiah 20, 42, 8, I am Yahweh, that is my name. I will not give my glory to anyone else. Our Heavenly Father has already established the rules, teachings, and guidelines for how and what he wants the church to do, how he wants it to run, and what he wants it to teach. Our Heavenly Father hates it when his people ignore his written word and bring into the body of Christ the false teachings of the world. Brethren, it is not okay to couple man's truths with God's truth. It is just as disappointing to our Heavenly Father that many of his children don't desire to know his truths as it is that they don't even know his son's real name. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 11 through 15. Now these are the gifts Christ gave the church, the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, and the teachers. I just have a question. I wonder when was the last time you had a gifted evangelist working in your church? He said their responsibility is to equip God's people to do his work and build up the church, the body of Christ. This will continue until we all come to such unity in our faith and knowledge of God's Son that we will be mature in the Lord, measuring up to the full and complete standard of Christ. Then we will no longer be immature like children. We won't be tossed back and forth by every wind of new doctrine or teaching that pops up. We will not be influenced when people try to trick us with lies so clever they sound like truth. Instead, we will speak the truth in love, growing in every way more and more like Christ, who is the head of the body, the head of the church. How diligent are your leaders working at this responsibility that God has given them? Brethren, it is not a sin to have church traditions, just so long as your church traditions do not nullify the truths of God's word, which is exactly what the lie of Good Friday and Easter and all of that does. Believing and celebrating that Good Friday is good because it was the day Christ died is a form of deep spiritual deception because even though the idea of a Good Friday celebration that honors Christ's death seems all pious and righteous to our fleshly minds, celebrating Good Friday actually nullifies the holiness and righteousness of the truths of the written word of God. See, not only did Christ not die on a Friday, he didn't even resurrect on a Sunday. John fourteen twenty three through 24 If anyone loves me, he will keep my word, and my Father will love him, and we will come to them and make our abode with them. He who does not love me does not keep my words. These are Christ's words, brethren. The same Christ who told us that he would be three days and three nights in the center of the earth. Here's a little side note. I'm not going to get into it right now, but this whole Easter tradition is laden with unbiblical deceptions. The very word Easter comes from the name of the pagan goddess of fertility, Ishtar, who supposedly had rabbits that laid colored eggs. Come on. 
not that hard to figure out, is it? If you have the stones, do a simple Google search on the origins of Easter. Come on, Christians, grow a spiritual backbone. Your friend in Christ, Brother Bob. As always, remember, the only way to separate a biblical lie from a biblical truth is to know your scriptures.